Welcome to Three Thoughts On. This episode will be the first of a series dedicated to mental health. And I'm excited that my first guest in this series is my good friend Punacha Machaya. Punacha is the CEO of the Chopra Foundation, dedicated to improving health, social, and planetary well-being. He is the co-founder and CEO of Seva.Love, which is a metaverse platform for well-being, as well as Chopra X, a venture studio backing transformative entrepreneurs who are reimagining the future of health and well-being, along with world-renowned mind-body medicine pioneer and New York Times best-selling author, Dr. Deepak Chopra. Punacha has co-founded initiatives such as Never Alone to address mental well-being and suicide prevention. He's also co-founded Circa, an anxiety management platform, along with Dr. Srini Pillai, a Harvard-trained psychiatrist and brain researcher. Punacha's approach to mental health is exciting. He blends ancient wisdom with state-of-the-art modern science. As you all know, mental health to me is a very important topic. I believe that is something that every human being should be concerned of in this day and age. So, without further ado, Punacha Machaya. Welcome to Three Thoughts On. I am delighted to have my dear friend Punacha Machaya here with us. How are you, Punacha? Wonderful. I'm here, excited to be on this conversation with my dear friend Raphael who's also my guitar instructor. Uh, yes, Just FYI. that is true. <laughs> That's a story we'll get into later, but that, I know we're not talking about guitar lessons this month, but I'm very grateful to be on, your, on this conversation. Well, excellent. Thank you. So today we're going to talk about mental health, right? So before we get into the conversation, why don't you tell us, to tell the audience, what do you do with respect to mental health and why do you do what you do? Yeah, I think it's uh, the journey goes back almost two decades when I first started working with Dr. Deepak Chopra. And when I met him, I remember very distinctly having this conversation of, you know, why he's writing all these books. And, and one of the things he said was, you know, my goal is reach a billion people for a more peaceful, just, sustainable, healthier, and joyful world. I'm like, sign me up. And that journey has taken me over the last two decades, really this meandering about what is the future of well-being? What is the future of longevity? Uh, what, does it all come, what does it all mean? And what it's done over the last five years, I've kind of really honed in on one of the biggest challenges of our time. Just before the pandemic, we really started honing in on this whole area of mental health, mental well-being. We started a movement called Never Alone. And... We looked at the statistics, and this was before the pandemic. Every 40 seconds, we lose someone to suicide globally. Right? In this great country, in the United States, it's every 12 minutes. And we lose 22 veterans, our heroes, every day to suicide. And the second leading cause of death among young adults in this country is death by suicide. So we said, wow, we should do something about this. And really, that really became one of the core pillars as the CEO of the Chopra Foundation I'm every day I get up in the morning and we kind of realize what do we do to really, as you look at the world we are in today, what can we do to transform personal well-being, societal well-being, and planetary well-being? So why do I do what I do? My goal is to really transform personal, societal, and you know, planetary well-being. And with I would say in two, three core areas, one is focused on mental health, 
very important for us. I think it's a global challenge. The silent pandemic is a pandemic after the pandemic, which still continues. The second area is to look at how do we, as people are going to live longer. Yes, absolutely, people are going to live longer. That's modern science, healthcare. But how do we improve the health span? You know, not just longevity, but health span, adding years to your life. And that's an important area of focus today. As we both have parents and we lost our par- one of our parents recently, we know what the price to- the price target is personally, but also it's a suffering. How do we kind of help in these areas of cognitive function and things like that? So that's an area. Longevity is a big focus. But the third area of focus for us is leadership. I think the world today has a leadership crisis. The things we're facing today is a leadership crisis. And, you know, we have all these issues in the world, why can't we all come together and solve it? So leadership is an important area of focus, and I'm focused on an area called the soul of leadership. Not asking somebody a LinkedIn profile, I can go back and Google that, but really the soul profile, right? And this is understanding the core of who Raphael is, you know, which is four soul questions. Who am I? What do I want? What is my purpose? And what am I grateful for? And this is important so that once we understand who we are, who am I? Then they realize that I have a deep connection, purpose to everything we do. So that's an important. So there's mental health and well-being, there's longevity, and then there's who am I question. And this is how I kind of, uh, kind of organize everything I do in my life, personally, professionally, uh, into you know into these three areas. So thank you for that background. That the thing that helps a lot to set the stage for the conversation. So that triage that you just discussed. You know, we talk about you know mental health. Talk about you know longer life or longer quality of life, right? And mm-hmm. and the leadership crisis. How do you see that as you go through those three areas and, and more specifically in mental health, because we do want to focus on that, but how do you see yourself addressing those across the different age groups in society today? Because, you know, you and I have kids about the same age, right? And I tell my kids all the time, and I, and I and I'm dead serious about this. I tell my kids all the time that the problems that they are encountering today are far worse than the problems that any youth has ever encountered. You know, our, our human brain is not designed to deal with the amount of stimuli and pressure that we see today. So every generation from here on is going to be bombarded by new things that our brain did not evolve to deal with. Mm-hmm. So as you go, so I see that as you have the youth, you have people our age, you know, we're middle-aged and we have people that are older. How do you go about addressing, mm-hmm. and let's take one at a time, say mental health in this case, across those age groups? Yeah, I think there's some common factors across everything, right? So one, which is common across everything, I think we have, uh, as, a, as a civilization, we are super connected, most more connected than any other previous civil, you know, generation, but we're also the most lonely, right? We're super connected, but very lonely. And I think we need to address this loneliness pandemic, right? Today, I'm in New York, and New York is considered one of the loneliest cities in the world, right? But you walk on the street, you don't find where they I'm here everywhere, people around. There's a lot of stimulus, but the loneliness is there, right? So I think we don't understand, we don't address this intimacy gap. And today, I think our young adults are growing up with this issue with connection and this real true connection. Why is why is a youth uh, uh, 
dying by suicide. Typically what used to happen, let's say you were in school and something happened during my time, happened in my 10th grade in Bangalore, India. Nobody outside my school is ever going to know about it. Today, something happens, somebody posts on Instagram, Snapchat or whatever, and the whole world comes to know about it. And so there's complete breakdown. So there's connection and there's really no true connection. So the number one thing for mental health, I would say, is having intimacy and connection. Uh, there's no there's no community, there's no society. And I think today, I think if you look at it, there's a lack of trust. I always say there's one thing I could fix today, what would I fix? I would say I would fix trust, you know, because people don't trust God, so there's an issue with the religion. People don't trust nation state, there's an issue with leadership at the national level, issue with leadership at the at the corporate level, issue with leadership at the family level. Children don't trust even their parents. And now they trust their friends, and friends says something, right? When you take this aperture up, into, you know, at a middle age, there's suicidality or mental health at, in middle age is because of a breakup or a divorce or something, relationship and trust. You take that up at even at the senior level, same issue, trust, relationship. I was there, I did everything for my kids. Now the kids have all left me and gone. You know, I'm alone, right? And I, what's the point of doing all of this? I walked, you know, I worked so hard to give them the best education. Now they've gone to another country and we are aging alone. So you look at this trust pattern. It starts even from young adults and goes all the way back to senior. I think we need to understand how this trust keeps, you know, how we can build communities of trust and intimacy. So that is community is the core of everything. So that's something which I look at. I think we as an organization, Chopra Foundation, with Never Alone, is to really kind of look at that. So the question will be like, Punachan, how do you solve that, right? So one thing I always, we always go back, it's, it's a difference between solitude and loneliness. Right? If you know who you are, you're never lonely. So maybe the solution here is to get to know who you are, the who am I question. Right? And once you know who you are, you will find that you are never alone because you have yourself, you have your compass. So that's one thing we look at intimacy of communities. The second thing which I would like to share with your audience is resilience. Right? I think there is a resilience issue too. Right? I think when we grew up, I was growing up, you know, uh, India, uh, it's, it's a tough life. You know, getting to school is tough, right? I mean, having water is a great thing. Electricity is amazing. There could be a day when electricity doesn't work. Or, you know, there's a riot. It just happened, you know. And, and life was tough. Life is tough. So we have an entire generation growing up today with a different issue. We are thriving. Today, we really don't have the wars, which we, even though we have Ukraine and all that, we don't have the kind of things which happened earlier on. Right, there is food, there is there, but we are still a, a, a generation which is growing up with the issue with resiliency. And I think there is a one thing I would like to share. So, what is the solution? I always said in the pandemic, for the first time, we were all facing the same adversity. Some were in yachts, some people were in boats, and some people are boat with holes. But we all face the same adversity, COVID, right? And today, when you look at adversity, I would say I'll call it the ABC principle irrespective of what's happening in my life today, there is an attitude of gratitude, right? Even if I'm going through the worst moment right now, there's somebody else going through something else worse. So have gratitude. Glass is half empty or is it half full, right? That is a perspective. And some people just have not able to understand the gratitude, you know? I, you know, people are just saying, always comparing, constant comparing. So that's one A. B, is believe in impermanence, right? This too shall pass. Even though whatever we are going through, it might be the dark night of the soul. 
in this other winter of your life, there is going to be spring and summer. It doesn't matter. The world is impermanence, right? And life goes on, even though, so that's something, embracing impermanence. And C is conscious choice. What conscious choice are you going to do next? Is what you're going to do next going to help you or hurt you? Help others or hurt others? And when you operate from this fabric of love and you make a conscious choice to always make a choice of love, A, B, C, you can get through whatever you're going through in life because adversity happens to everybody. It's how we react to adversity, what's important. So those are the two things. I would say let's creating communities, creating intimacy, being resilient will get you through mental health. Well, thank you for sharing that. So I'll um, let's try to unpack some of that and see if uh, we can get even a little bit deeper, a little bit more uh, relatable to the the audience. You said a lot there, and, and I was taking notes as you were talking, and it seemed to me. So I'll, I'll say a couple of things here, and then I'll let you validate or invalidate. You know what I what I'm sharing here. So it seems from you know everything that you said that. You can zoom out, and when you zoom out at the highest level, you enter two basic areas. One of them is self-love, and the other one is observation, right? So self-love, I mean, you said something about about being lonely in solitude, and I heard somebody said, you know, when you love the person you're alone with, you're never lonely, right? So you mentioned, you know, knowing who you are, but also, if you love yourself and you love who you are, after you've learned who you are, if you learn to love who you are, right, then that seems to be the, or that could be the stepping stone, stepping stone to all the goodness that can come your way as you start observing the world that way or observing yourself that way, right? And then on the other side is, is to be more observant. You know, the whole thing about the glass half empty, the glass half full, what, what is the attitude? What is it that I believe, the impermanence? What are some of the conscious choices? We could probably zoom all those back to creating a way of life of, that is rooted in observation, you know, I tell my kids all the time, you know, make sure that you observe the world outside of you, mm-hmm. but you also observe the universe inside you. So would you agree that then kind of those two, that self-love and learn how to love yourself so that you right. learn who you are and then learn how to observe the world and how to observe yourself could be at the center of taking those steps towards improving mental health? Absolutely. I think absolutely. I think I always tell, just to say what you're saying, don't confuse yourself and your selfie, right? And in it, your selfie is this, I am Punacha Machaya. I'm look this way. I'm Indian male, 53 years old. I'm the CEO of the Chopra Foundation. And all the titles, that's a selfie, right? The self, who am I? And to, beyond all these labels, beyond all of who's that? Who is that person, right? When you get to know that person at the deepest intimate level and you love that person, then when the titles go away, when the roles go away, you have everybody is a, I'm a father, husband, and CEO, and friend, and this, then all the titles go away. Everything is impermanent. Everything is shifting. Then who are you still, right? And when you understand that, then you're not attached and not clinging to anything. Attachment to anything is suffering. Right? When you're not clinging, when you're not grasping, then you realize you're beyond all that conditioning. 
And, and Krishnamurti, you know, was a you know, very famous philosopher, Jiddu Krishnamurti, said something beautiful. He said, comparison and conformity. Comparison and conformity lead to conflict. A mind without conflict is a spiritual mind, right? So every time you're comparing or conforming, which happens to be the bane of human existence, you're always going to be, you know, in conflict. You know, I need a better car. I need a better job. I need a better house. I need a bigger house. I need a bigger, better, you know, a different relationship constantly. Never going to be happy, right? But when you, do, when you stop comparing and you stop conforming, you basically are liberated. And that's why young, ch young children do not do that. Right? Young children just don't care if they're white, black, African, American, Indian, Iranian, whatever. They're just hanging out. And then you kind of go put all the labels on them, and then it creates the separation. So I think this journey to inner space, like you were speaking about, is more important than the journey to outer space. The inner journey, the inner space, right? And that's an adventure of a lifetime. And it's upon us to really make that a priority. You can, they can make a lot of money, pay $100 million, get on the next uh, SpaceX flight or you know, the next shuttle with, with Bezos, but no amount of money. The inner space journey is free. Everybody can go on that wild adventure. And I, I basically believe my biggest transformation has come from my journey to inner space, knowing who am I, what do I want, what is my purpose, and what am I grateful for? The four soul questions. So I know you have three questions, three thoughts, I have four. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> but I think once you do that, I think it'll, you know, it kind of helps us go that, you know, in that journey. No, no, that's, that's, I like, I like the sound of that. So let me bring one more thing and then we'll shift gears a little bit. The, the famous uh, psychiatrist, Viktor Frankl, uh, there's a story about Viktor Frankl where he did all kinds of, you know, it was a great thinker, you know, of his time. And, but there's a story about him where he, he had a, either it was a patient and I'm paraphrasing, he was a patient or a friend or a friend of a friend who contacted him thinking about suicide. And the story goes that he tried to talk to this person mm -hmm. for as long as he could, giving this person, if I remember correctly, it was a lady. So she, he kept giving her reasons why she shouldn't take her life and kept thinking about this and about that and about the other. And then eventually she didn't take her life. And sometime later, he bumped into her and asked her, what exactly did I tell you that kept you? Of all the things that I shared with you, what was the one thing that kept you from taking your life? And her answer was, you heard me. It was nothing you said. It was a time you took to listen to me. So as you hear that, and in, that I think ties really beautifully in some of the work you know that you do with some of the the activities that you do about because at the end of the day people want three things right they want to be seen they want to be heard and they want to be loved and a lot of people are not being heard so tell me more about some of the work you're doing to try to listen to people. Yeah, I mean I think Victor frankly glad you brought him up because he said something which is amazing right I think I I don't know if I got the quote right but. He says, everything can be taken from a man, but one thing, the last of human freedoms, 
to choose one's attitude in any, any given set of circumstances to choose one's own way. We can always choose love, right? And I think that's such a powerful thing because we always think we don't have a choice. Every situation gives you a choice and love is a default mode network. So when you talk about love, I think there's one thing which we are working on the foundation as how do we how do you make this practical, right? How do you get people connecting with love, right? How do you get people, how do I bring love? Because if you have love, then wherever there's love, there's no room for hate. Wherever there's love, there's no, there's no room for fear. So love is the most primal thing between species, not just humans, between humans and animals, right? The, uh, the dog, your pet, your canine companion doesn't know you're Raphael. They just know Raphael loves me and I love Raphael and we just want to hang out. That's, that's why it's called pure love, right? So I think when you look at love, we, we call it love in action. Because love without action is meaningless. And action without love is irrelevant. Love in action is what makes the world work, right? And it's based on four attributes. So I'm kind of breaking your three rule of three now. <laughs> so the first, the first attribute, they call the four A's, right? Is the first A is attention, deep listening. Listening with every cell in your body, right? Being present. You know, so many times you realize today people have lost the art of listening, which is attention. Only when you have deep attention, this, this thing, that's a start, attention. You go to a party, before you, in New York, I've seen it, they, they shake your hand. While they say, hi, Punacha, they're scanning the room and talk, looking for somebody else. There's no attention. People are on their cell phones all the time. People are, this multitasking has become a disease and almost an excuse for attention. Once you have attention, A, the second A is appreciation. We appreciate each and every one's uniqueness, how unique they are, how beautiful they are. You notice people. Without attention, there can be absolutely no appreciation. So appreciation is the next attribute. The third attribute is affection, love, kindness, tenderness, compassion, right? I always joke that I would want to, I want to build an app which is going to be the opposite of uh, Tinder. It's going to be called Tender. Like, you know, tenderness needs to be a virtue. Affection. Be affectionate. Be affectionate. And when, when are people to stop being affectionate? Why, why is everything has to be an expectation? And the last day, the fourth day is acceptance. Accept yourself first. It's hard enough to do that before you can accept anybody else. Acceptance, right? So when you practice these four A's, attention, deep listening, appreciation, observation, affection, love, kindness, tenderness, compassion, acceptance, you truly create a bond and it really creates a connection with yourself, with somebody else, and you will never be alone. And I think and the last one I would leave more, more than the four A's, when you're in service to something else or bigger cause, it's beyond, it's beyond me, it's, be, it's we, right? That's why volunteering your time is so important or being of service in the community. You know, no, longer, no longer thought in your own spiral about how oh, me, 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 me. It's about B, right? And that I think are some of the some of the things I would like to share when it comes to mental well-being. How do we, how do we, or how are you guys looking at technology and to help all this? Of course, we live we live in the world of AI. Everybody talks about AI and ML, you know, artificial intelligence, machine learning, and at least you know, we we had this conversation over dinner the other night, you know, where. It means 15 different things to different people because everybody's creating their own definition of AI and, and, and ML. But as far as you, what the, the work that you guys are doing, 
Uh, how does AI come into play here and how does it help? How do we use it for good when it comes to mental health? Yeah, I think I would like to give you maybe two use cases, which kind of in the interest of time probably makes the most sense for, for your audience. One, today we talk about AI. It's not so much about artificial intelligence. I like to look at it as augmenting intelligence, right? We are far away from artificial intelligence. You know, How do we use AI for good? Right? How can it augment us to make our quality of lives better? Right? Let's start with that. So augmented intelligence versus artificial intelligence. So during the pandemic, we deployed an AI chatbot at the Chopra Foundation called PD. Because you know, every 40 seconds, we lose someone to suicide globally. In this 30-minute podcast, more than 35 people would have died, right? That's a tragedy. You know what? We don't have enough therapists. We absolutely don't have enough therapists, you know? So what do we do? We have to use technology. Now, this is where AI can come in. Mental health therapy, intervention. Look at somebody who wants to talk to something right now. Today with AI, you can actually have an amazing conversation and be able to see if you can triage. You know, I'm not able to sleep. I had a breakup. What do I do? And through text messaging, you can actually have a very interesting conversation. Guess what? Young adults are much more comfortable chatting with a chatbot so they don't feel judged. So now you can use technology as just a way to triage. Yes, when you detect suicidality, maybe you, we, we integrate the GAD and the PHQ, generalized anxiety disorder, scales into it to so understand suicidality. And we detected somebody does an inbound call and ask for intervention or help. But it's a good use of AI chatbot. The second thing I'm working, I'm working with a professor at Harvard who was a thought leader, was a Harvard, ran Harvard's um, anxiety lab, Dr. Srini Pillai. And I want to look at anxiety as the number one precursor for depression and things like that. And he had used something called a mnemonic called CIRCA, C-I-R-C-A, CIRCA, as a way to help people with anxiety. So we built a technology called CIRCA. You know, CIRCA is an app on the App Store. We're just launching it. If you go to circa.world, you'll see the technology. And here it's helping people who are going through anxiety. So example, it's a, let's say a young adult, a student, it has to do homework. There are 10 questions. They have to finish it right now. And they're getting anxious. I can't do it. I don't I'm not good enough to do it. Circa will say first one, chunk it. Don't do 10 questions. Try to do two. Right? Imagine the AI assistant comes up. Then it says, ignore mental chatter. Don't worry about what's going through your mind right now. Breathe. You know, a breathing exercise or reality check. You know, John, not finishing your homework is not the end of the world, right? C is control check. How much control do I have on this? Is it okay if I don't do it today? Last is A, attention shift. You know, John, just go for a quick walk or just go, just take a, take a break so you don't get in this anxiety loop. So this is where technology can come in and be enabled. Technology can also democratize access, right? It's not about I have to wait for a therapist for the next three months. I want to talk to somebody now. Also, I need to be free. I can't really afford it. People who really need mental health can't go to a therapist, right? They need free access to resources. That's democratization. So I'm kind of working on some of these initiatives which really take technology. I always joke I'm an Indian, so I have to go to IT, you know? <laughs> so, 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 so I'm using technology just to, to really use these tools, work with experts around the world, to really democratize it, make these tools accessible to all. Oh, that's wonderful. I it, your your use of technology here with the chatbot, you know, and, and with anxiety, um, reminded me of a use case from a doctor in Africa. I can't remember exactly which country it was, but it was a, he had, it was in a TED talk, and he he wanted to help people 
deal with their mental health. And he studied here in the U.S. He went back to Africa and he realized that in his city, he was one of two mental health specialists. There was nobody else. Two people for God knows how many people in the population. So he came up with a very unique approach. What he did is he came up with what he called the, and I'm paraphrasing, but I think it's something to the effect of the bench grandma approach. So what he did, do you remember this? Yeah, it was brilliant. Oh my God. It's brilliant what he did. Absolutely. Yes. He trained the grandmas that were home doing, this is just for the, for the audience, but he, what he did is, is he gave every grandma that wanted to volunteer who were, they were just at home doing nothing. Uh, he trained them on the basics of what to look for. Like, how do you tell if someone is just depressed or someone is about to do something terrible? And then they will sit at a park bench and people were told, it's like, this grandma will listen to you. And the grandmas would just listen to them and and love them and ask them questions. And it worked. And it worked. Right. So there's there's a beautiful merger there between that type of approach because it serves two purposes there. Right. Now the grandmas feel valuable because they're doing something. And they're providing a service, which is what typically old folks, they want to feel valuable. And the other side, you have technology being available through a chatbot, through some sort of augmented intelligence, as you call it. And hopefully working from both ends, we can uh, address the problem in a more meaningful way. And I only say my vision is to, you know, is to kind of bridge the gap, right? So it's about, you want the wisdom of age. I always say what I want to really bring about as Punacha is peak living, right? The wisdom of age and the biology of youth, right? You want both of that. As we, you want the experience. You want the experience of, you know, having aged and lived. You want that. You also want the biology of youth so you can actually do the things. And if you can bring both these together, I don't understand why senior living, uh, senior living, is one building only all seniors are. That's like, I don't understand this design at all, right? You want senior living intermingled with the Montessori, the kindergarten, and you want this kind of vibrant mixture of things. I don't know, I don't know why you put everything into boxes. You know I mean, that's kind of an interesting design. Maybe it's a separate conversation on urban design and planning, but, you know, when you really look at ancient cultures, you know, look at things, they were, all, they were co-mingling, right? They're all together. They were not like this. You're old, now you go sit in the senior living place. You're young, so you're going to be in this gated Montessori, right? You're in the middle age, so you're kind of screwed anyway. So so I think it's like we have to kind of, so it's like, you know, you got to figure this, you got to, you know, you got to look at design of a communities more, you know, for intimacy and connection. Well, this is fantastic. So let, let's, let's wrap it up. I'll give you the, I know you think in fours, but we're going to think in threes now. Okay. Right. Cause it's three <laughs> thoughts on. Right. So why would you like to leave the audience with three thoughts on mental health that they should, they could, they could reflect on. We, I always like to leave the audience with some action or something to think about. And then also, after that, then tell everybody where they can find you and your work. Yeah, so I think I would just stick to my ABCs, right? A, always have an attitude of gratitude. Glasses have half empty or half full. Half full. How you see yourself is how you see the world. And if you have an attitude of gratitude, immense gratitude to the world. B, believe in impermanence. This too shall pass. doesn't matter what is going on in your life. It will pass, right? 
and so believe in the impermanence and like the sunset now the sunrise tomorrow doesn't matter it is going to change and see make a conscious choice and always choose love love as the default mode operating system in everything you do and irrespective of what's happening in your life you will prevail it will pass and you will thrive the universe is designed to bring things to homeostasis you just need to get out of the way so that would be my abc and i think it's where to find i think um, i think punacha.com that's my website uh, on instagram at punacha i think that's probably a good way to find or i would the easiest one the chop go to choprafoundation.org i think uh, that'll be most of my work is there and the foundation's work and everything we do fantastic well thank you i will leave you with this you you mentioned the the glass half empty or glass half full i like to say to people that they miss the point because the glass is refillable <laughs> so there you absolutely irrespective of what it is i think i'm very grateful to you i think we have come a long way you know both of us have our careers in telecom you know we i would say created the fast internet we were part of the mobile phone revolution but we also created all the ills of technology and maybe now we should use technology to redeem ourselves and also make the world a better place so so i'm actually very i look forward to collaborating with you and always we have wonderful stories of how we can transform personal societal and planetary well-being so thanks rafael thank you for being here punacha i'm very grateful and you can find it at choprafoundation.org or punacha.com and punacha i will see you what in about an hour and a half for dinner <laughs> absolutely see you later lots of love bye thank you